cool. I don't know if they, they're, they're supposed to be pretty soon, but I'm, here comes Grandma Kathy right now. She can make that announcement. Are we, are we dismissing kids right now? Kids, you're dismissed. It is vacation Bible school time. Go have a blast. So those of you 60 and under are dismissed for vacation Bible school. Go have fun. I think we're ready to start. Good evening, everybody. Um, we're going to have this real casual, so if you guys, if there's questions during it, we, we don't care. Just raise your hand or yell at us or, or something through this. But um, we have a heart to teach on the prophetic, and what we mean that is being led by the Spirit and the, and the gifts of the Spirit and, and making sure that, that we don't lose that in the body, making sure that we're training up our young people, that we're training up ourselves, and that we and that we have a passion for that in the church. So that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. I'm going to start. Charlie's probably going to interject a little bit, but then he's going to second half teach you too. So let's pray tonight, though. Father God, I thank you tonight as we come, Father, and study your word. Lord, that, Father, you're imparting your heart to us, yes. and that you're showing us things, and you're opening our eyes, as Ephesians says, so that we know the hope of our calling. Father, I thank you that, that love is, is fulfilled here tonight. That, Father, that you show us that you love us. You show us your nature. You show us what you think about us. You show us our gifts. You show us our, our callings. And, Father God, we thank you for that tonight. Father, we, we go into this with open eyes and open hearts. And, Lord, we thank you that, that you will just magnify that in our lives, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we will be giving you guys notes, but we'll be giving you the notes from tonight next week because we just kind of, we, we want you to pay attention and listen and not just be writing and, and getting all this down. So, we just don't want to be stuck to them, okay? We're going to be reviewing tonight if you've been through this class with us before. So, you're going to hear some stuff that you've heard before, but we're also going to mix it up a little bit, but... Um, some of the things that we hope to teach you in this series um, is discovering the voice of God for yourself, number one. And number two is how does God speak and how to listen. Number three, discern, the express, discern and express the will of the Father. And number four, explore the heart of God and understand his nature and express his character. I want you to get a grip on those. And under those, there's a lot of subheadings that would fall into those things. We're going to talk about um, the voice of God, hearing the voice of God next week. But in that, we're going to talk about dreams. We're going to talk about visions. We're going to talk about all the things that are just really cool that we can, we can know. We're going to talk about gifts of knowledge and, and laying on of hands and and you're going to be able to ask questions. And, we, and not only are you going to learn about that, this is the one of the things that I have a passion for. Okay, I know all of, you might say, I know all about that. I've been to this class or I've been to that class. But have you been activated in it? Are you using it? Are you doing it? Do you know how, how to do that? That's, that's the things. We want this to be a safe place 
so that you can learn, so that you can grow, and so that you can be activated in the gifts. And not, when I say the gifts, I mean the gifts, but I mean the gifts God's put in you, the ones that, that you are, that are that seed that's waiting to blossom within you. Because sometimes it's for a season, and all of a sudden you'll notice, wow, I'm all of a sudden hearing God in this way which I wasn't before. And so those seeds are being activated in you. Okay, Colossians 3.3 3 says, you're crucified with Christ. Whoops, I need my glasses, I'm sorry. This is in the Passion Translation. Your crucifixion with Christ has, se severe, hmm, has severed the tie to this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God and Christ. As Christ is, himself is seen for whom he really is, who you really are will also be revealed for you, are now one with him in his glory. We're on a journey. And this was one of my, I can't see with them on, I can't see without them on. <laughs> this is one of my favorite scriptures. Um, a way long time ago, I remember sitting at Jeannie's ta table when you were in your other house and we were first saved, and they said, it came on this scripture that says we are hidden in Christ, and I don't understand it. How can we be hidden in Christ? And this, this passion version says it so plainly. When we become, when we know Christ and we know his nature and we know him, we are being revealed. And it, when I get to know him, I get to know me. Okay, those things in me start to be revealed. So Christ revealed in me, I'm re being revealed, and Christ will reveal things to me because I'm hidden in him. If that makes sense to you, I just want, that is really cool. The things that you put in me, you begin sharing with me. The scripture says that he shares his secrets with his friends. So as I become a friend of God, he's sharing his secrets with me. He's sharing, okay, I could say, God, why, why do I do a certain thing at a certain time? Or why, why do I work this way? And he'll begin sharing that with you, what, what that's all about. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's a journey. Our life with Christ is a journey. And there is a quote that I've quoted before, and I love it. It says, Oswald Chambers says this, and it says, Get in the habit of saying, Speak, Lord and life will become a romance. So we have a romance with God. It's, it, it's intimate. It's getting to know him. And as we speak, that communication is two ways. We not only speak in prayer to God, but God speaks back to us. So it's a journey. So we're going to go on a journey in these next six weeks. And we're going to learn about ourselves. We're going to learn how God speaks to us because he speaks to me differently than he'll speak to you. And we're going to learn how to activate the gifts in our lives. And it's going to be fun. So, okay. Tonight, one of the things I want to discuss with you is, uh, is foundational. It's old, old Covenant versus New Covenant. Okay? And there is a difference in the prophetic, the way the Old Covenant worked versus the New Covenant. Acts 2, 17 through 21 says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men should dream dreams. 
And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I think he covered everybody in this. He's got your old men, your young men, your your maid servants. He didn't leave us out, women. That's, you know, we have a responsibility to stir up those gifts within us and use them. And they shall prophesy. He didn't say in this verse that the prophets will prophesy. He said they shall prophesy. All of us are included in this. Okay, and when we talk about prophecy, what we're talking about is speaking what God speaks. Okay, in just a nutshell, we'll get into that later. But um, in the Old Covenant, there was a prophetic concentration of the mind and will of the Lord upon a small number of people, the prophets and the priests. Those were the ones that prophesied. Now, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we all can do that. Okay, we can speak for God. Um, it's, it's all flesh. They said we should all prophesy. And now we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, of God who speaks to us and through each one of us. Speaking on behalf of God is now a distinct possibility for everyone in Christ. So we can settle it that, that we can do this. Okay? We can hear from God and we can speak forth what he is saying. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And this is going to be a foundational scripture for us in these classes. But especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But we who prophesy speak edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Okay, the definition of prophecy, simply put, is speaking on behalf of God. Or God speaking through man. You know, this is God's love language. It's, it's his love language to us. You know, if you have somebody that gives you a word and it's a, a blessing and a comfort, that is him speaking out of love through somebody to you. So, and what we're going to, the old covenant prophecy mainly focused on judgment for sin. Okay, the new covenant is used to demonstrate the compassionate heart of God desiring us to reconcile people to himself, okay? And the Message Bible in this scripture really is good. It says, go after a life of love as if your life depends on it. Okay, this is just not a, you know, if you want to, you know, do this. But he's saying your life depends on this because it does. Give yourself to the gifts, okay? When, when it says to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, he's, it's a pursuit. It's a, it's a journey. It's, it's something that we, we have to go after. It's not something that God's just going to drop on us. So whether we have to do the steps to do that, study, which you're here, that's one of the things you can do. Right now, you can get on many podcasts and different people and, 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 and study that. I know Mark and Jeannie are, are pursuing after the financial, after the, you know, they've been into tapes on different things like that. They're going after that in their life, and that's great. But it's the same thing here. There's certain things that God wants us in our lives to, to go after, and if we go after, we're going to get them, okay? 
And the thing that he says is to pursue love. So what the gifts are motivated by is love. Okay? Um, Bill Johnson says, God brings our needs to us. You know, when we ask for a need, um, but our wants, we are going to have to go after them. And this is one of the things that we want, we have a passion for. So we, we have to go after them. Can I interject that? One of the things that you find in Scripture, God loves hide and go seek. Have you ever noticed that? Seek and you'll find, knock, and the door will be opened. And, and God is into hide and go seek. And Proverbs 25, 2, 25, 2 in Proverbs says that it's to the, it's to the, glory, of, it's to the glory of God to hide a matter. It's to the glory of a king to, to uncover that. So realize this, that God hides things on purpose so that you seek it out. So what Carrie just said, God's not going to just drop something on you. I'm going to sit here. If God wants me to prophesy, you'll just have to pour it out of heaven from a bucket and drop it all over me. And God says, no, seek it out. Why? Because in the seeking, you're going to discover. You're going to discover more. God wants you to desire to get to know him. And just as he seeks you, he wants you to seek him. Seek me and you'll find me. So God is into hide-and-go-seek, so it's just not going to dump on you. You're going to have to seek it out. When you got filled with the Holy Spirit, you sought for it. You sought it out. God didn't just begin to, you know, grab hold of your tongue and wiggle it and make you go blah, 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 blah. No, you, you worked at it, and you, and, you, and, you, and you sought it out, and all of a sudden you were speaking, and you're going, oh, my goodness, am I making that up? How many did that? Am I making that up? Yeah, of course, we all did that as we were uncovering that. And God didn't, you know, we could say if God wanted us to do that, he'd force us. That's not how God ever works. He wants you to discover it. He wants you to seek it out. And it's to your glory to do that. Now, that's, we're not taking his glory, but what happens is, is we become transformed into his glory by seeking him out and the spiritual things out. All right, and, and guess what? The cool thing is about the covenant that we live in today, when, if you make a mistake, you're not stoned. No. It's the new covenant. And what's cool with that, it's all relationship. God's main focus is relationship with us. It's not a set of rules. It's not a set of do this, do that. It's all motivated out of love for us, all motivated on him wanting relationship with us. And when he was talking about the hidden things, we're going to get a lot off track. Um, no, that, that's okay. I don't care. Linda came to me one day, and she can correct me if I'm wrong, but she came to me after we did the dream segment and said, I had a dream, and if I get this right, Linda, I hope so, but she had a dream that she thought it was Jesus, but he was coming in and out of different memories. It was like a window, and I could see a person out this window, and he had something in his hand, hands, and he held it to his chest, and he would back up. And then I saw it again, and I just felt like he wanted, there was something he wanted me to know or to see, and I just needed to seek that. 
And it, when Linda told me that, I said, was it like hide-and-seek? And she goes, well, yeah. And I said, well, I think that's Jesus getting you to seek something out in your life. So just get in prayer, ask him. He'll tell you. I mean, if he gives you a dream like that, he's going to reveal the interpretation to you of what you're, what he wants to show you because he was trying to show her something. So going back to that thing with Oswald Chambers, when you say, speak, Lord, it is a romance. It is a, it is a relationship there that God is romancing you to what he wants to tell you. So it's just, just a little tidbit. It's just, just cool when you start moving like that and start asking. You know, God's not afraid for you to ask questions. You know, I'll go in Scripture when I'm reading Scripture and, and I don't understand it, and I'll just ask him questions. I don't know, that's for somebody here. It's just, and it's okay to say, ask why. It's okay to say, I don't understand what's going on here. God, just show me. There's been times where he's just revealed those scriptures to me. He, he wants to do that. That's all about relationship. And we should go into our Bible reading that way, that it's a, it's a vocal back and forth with him and not just read, you know, type of thing. So when you're in ministering in the prophetic, um, it's about obeying God and serving his children in love, okay? It's not about, I want a great word, God, because I want to be this important person. I want to be on the platform. I want to be your, your vocal person with prophetic. But that's not where it starts. It starts with our motivation of love. And you might never be on a platform giving a word, and that's not what's important. What is important is that you're ministering to the people around you and that you're motivated and love to love them. Um, I was listening to a message on a girl in California, and she's, she's moving in the gift of knowledge um, to the point where it, it was pretty amazing that God would give her phone numbers and, and all this stuff and about her. Fr but, where, it, but where it started for her is she started praying for her friends in her prayer closet. And God started giving her words for her friends. And so she would write what she got for her friends on a note card and then give them to them. And as the more faithful she was with that, the more God gave her. You know, so it starts off with love. If it starts with anything else, it's, I don't want to say it's not of God, but it's not in the right motive, okay? The gift of prophecy is for the purpose of, in that scripture it shared with us, edification, exhortation, and consolation, or comfort. Edification means to build up. Exhortation means to call near. And consolation is to comfort or to cheer up. Now, this belongs to all of us who have, have a heart to building up the body of Christ. You know, it, it's your inheritance, you know, to, to be able to do this. Um, the gift of prophecy, along with the other listed gifts of the Holy Spirit, are for edification. They are to build people up. In fact, they communicate the love language of God. When you prophesy over someone, the person should be, feel like they're being kissed by God. They shouldn't feel like they're being condemned. Um, there are different stages of prophecy. We're talking about the prophecy that is for anybody to do. Now, there is an office of a prophet. In that office of a prophet, sometimes they will be 
directing and they will be correcting. But that's not for all of us, you know. So we are to build up, to call near, and to comfort if we have a word from God. And that, it's just a blessing. If you're out to bless people, God's going to join you in this journey of doing that, okay? God uses the prophetic ministry today to address people's potential. Okay. In the Old Testament, it was to call out um, judgment on cities. It was to call out, um, you know, it wasn't really a personal thing. I mean, every once in a while you would get that, but it was more of the prophet going into the city or going into the king to give him a word. And, you know, people could also go to the prophet and ask for a word. You see that with Saul when he did that. He wanted to find his donkey, so he went to find the prophet. Well, today, we don't, we don't have to do that. We are, God's given us the ability to hear from him personally, but we can also hear from each other. But it was, it was very much different back then. Our intention is not to call out someone's sin. But God's desire is to communicate love and identity to people. Okay, he's mining for treasure. And get this analogy in your mind. Um, Charlie watches Gold Rush all the time. I don't know if you guys watch it. <laughs> I would run that mine so much different. <laughs> and I go, they don't find, you know, anyhow, some of it's kind of crazy. You want the new season? <laughs> But anyhow, they go through a lot of dirt before they find the gold, okay? And what God's doing with all of us is he's sifting through a lot of dirt before we find the gold, and we have to find that gold in each other, okay? And that's what God's doing. When, and um, God might show us someone's sin, you know, if we were around somebody and God points something out to us. Um, that's, that's not his intention, and that's not what he wants to speak to you. You need to find God's heart in that so that they can be pulled out of that. So you're not going to speak that to them. You're going to speak the answer or you're going to flip it and speak what God's saying over them. And what he's going to say over them is to build up, to call near, or to comfort. Okay? So you, okay. And that's God's intention to him. Um, this is a quote by Larry Randolph. If you've ever read, read some of his stuff or seen him on YouTube or something, he's a very, um, what do I want to say, father in the prophetic. So you can, you can trust him. He's been around for a while. Um, God spoke to him, and this is what he said. There are a lot of things for you to say to my people. I am conditioning you for that because you cannot say them until you love them. Okay, we need to remember the why. It's God's love for his people that we speak over them. Um, if you have a negative feeling towards somebody or if you have things that you harbor against somebody, you shouldn't be speaking into that person's life. Okay, you've got to get love for them before you can speak into their life or you're going to be speaking out of the bitterness or speaking out of the negative attitude you have for them and it's not going to come across in love okay um and when i'm talking about this that we speak out of love it's not simple i'm not just saying we give words that 
you know, are patting people on the back and telling them they've got doing a good job. Um, the power of the prophetic is that it's a supernatural encouragement, so we are hearing from God with this. It does not offer flattering words, but when exercised properly, it actually hones into the gold in people's lives and calls it out of them. That's what the prophetic does. It hones into those good things, those seeds that have been planted, that God's planted in them, and it pulls it out. Okay. If you have ever had somebody speak to you and give you a prophetic word and you go, oh my gosh, they read my mail, and that's what God wants me to do, that's what he really thinks about me, it changes you. You know, you go, okay, that, that created faith in me. That created, God, you really think that about me? You know, and it, and it changes your perspective on, it, on everything. When you know God loves you, when you know this is God, what God's thinking about you, it creates the faith that you need to, to go up, to move on. Um, the prophetic or actually awakens this reality in our lives and starts a process where people previously blinded by their dirt and sin start to rethink how they are living. You know, it'll take somebody from rethinking it and create that in them. After all, someone just gave them a new option. Maybe they didn't even realize that that option was available in their lives, and you're, you're giving them a new option in their life. Okay? A prophetic word that speaks to the goal in a person's life can actually be a catalyst that causes them to rethink life entirely. Maybe that word is what their lifestyle should be reflecting rather than their present condition. If you speak the sin to them, they're going to run out of the door. I mean, maybe there are time that that needs to be, but that's not the heart of God. The heart of God wants to heal them. The heart of God wants to mend them. The heart of God wants to push them on. Okay. And I, I already said this, but if if we're prophesying out of Old Covenant perspective, we're going to release words of condemnation and judgment. Okay, so we got to get into the new. we got to get into the, if we pursue love, if we pursue love, pursue love. Okay. Um, sin pointed, um, okay. Sin pointed in the Old Testament a need for the Savior. Okay. Now we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, so everything is shifted. That's what shifted it all. Okay. Jesus is our prophet, priest, and king within himself. He is the one authorized to stand before God and shed forth this, which we see and hear. Okay. So we've got a right relationship with God. We no longer need a go-between. So you can see where there's a difference. There's a total difference in New Testament versus Old Testament. Okay. And he prefers, God prefers face-to-face -face with us. He prefers us first to get in his presence and hear from him. And, but he will also speak through other people, okay? And, do you have anything you want to add on there? No. You're okay? Okay. And prophecy discloses the secret of men's hearts. There's one scripture that says that, that they will... In 1 Corinthians 14, 24, but if all prophecy, sorry, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. 
you know, a lot of times we took that scripture as, well, if we pointed out the sin, the person's going to fall on their face and repent. But usually what happens if you take that approach, they run out of the door. And, you know, they don't, they don't get the heart of God for them. But prophecy discloses the secrets of his heart. His refers to the unbeliever. If we are prophesying out of old covenant perspective, we tend to look to the negative or bad secrets to call out. That is not what Paul's talking about. For the context of prophecy is one of edification, exhortation, and consolation. Revealing secret treasures, okay, invites people to reconsider the road they are on in life and come face to face with their identity in Christ. So if we're revealing the secret treasures in somebody's life, the good things, the things God's trying to pull out of them, the things that God sees them at. So if, if, if I am in an area of sin and God wants to pull me out, he's going to show me what, what I can be. Okay, I don't have to be this. I can be what he's created me to be. That is what's going to get me to fall on my face and say, oh my gosh, God, you're so awesome. You know, okay, sin is not a secret to sinners. Okay, destiny is, purpose is, identity is, unconditional love is, gifts and callings are. Those are treasures. Okay, those are the secret things that are hidden that need to come out. And that's basically the difference between old and new in a nutshell. So I am all set with this. You want to go from here? Yeah. Well, before we get into the second half, um, we are going to take an opportunity to give you a short potty break if you need it because you went a little quicker than I thought you were going to. Um, and we're also going to receive an offering because it is Thursday night, church night. So um, we have a basket for that reason right here. So if you, there's envelopes in the back of your seat. If you um, have an offering, we're going to finish our second half here in just a few minutes. But I'm going to give you a chance to grab a cup of coffee if you'd like since we have... Um, offered it out there. Uh, use the restroom if you need to. And then also you can bring your offering up front and, and put it right here. And we're going to get started in just a minute. All right. So mill amongst yourselves. Word of prophecy the gift of prophecy, the prophetic mantle, and the office of the prophet. So those are four things that they've broken it down into, and each one has a little bit of a difference. Now, the one we're talking about tonight is the spirit of prophecy. It's kind of like when Saul went and prophesied with the school of the prophets. You know, he wasn't a prophet, but he prophesied with them. The four? Okay, the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy the prophetic mantle, and the office of the prophet. Now, you can have a prophetic mantle over you and not be a prophet. Okay, you can have the gift of prophecy and not be a prophet because that is the office of the prophet we're talking about. Okay, and, we, and when we're talking about the prophetic as a whole, it's, it's a 
big category. Um, to backtrack and show you a little bit of difference, when I, I started on this journey because I went out to Courtney's church in Vegas, well, four or five years, four, it's four or five years ago, and we met with their pastors, and she sat down with me, and she said, Carrie, are you prophetic? And I'd never had anybody ask me that before, and actually, I didn't even know what she meant. And I him hawed around, and I said, well, God gives me dreams, and I have the gift of discernment. I, some, as a prophet, had told me, and, you know, just kind of him hawed around with that. But it led me on this journey that I want, I, I, I need to find out more. You know, and I want to, pers- and what I've been doing is a pursuit of the gifts of the Spirit in my life. And so when we were out to California, we were at Bethel, and we were at a healing and impartation conference. They, they, um, were, they advertised a class from Global Awakenings, and it was a spiritual, you know, a prophetic class 101, and I went, I want to take that. And that was the best class I've ever taken in my whole life, the, um, the, lady that did that as a prophet her name's kim moss and she spoke into my life like i never had anybody speak into my life before and it just propelled me um you know when you have somebody go i see this in you and and you go oh yeah that just so everything that i shared with you about what that can do that can hone in on on oh my god really sees that in me and that's why i do things like this and because I'd go places and th- and could pick up on who I'm next to, and and it could take my mood from here to here and here, you know. And you feel like you're going up and down, and you feel like sometimes you're crazy with that. But you, when you realize what it is, is is you're picking up on people around you. That's part of the prophetic. So there's a broad. Um, when we say the prophetic, it's not just prophesying to people. It's it's all of the gifts of the spirit that we're talking about. So does that explain everything a little bit better? And so we'll be getting into that, Omar, but <laughs> no, that's okay. I want you to ask questions because I'm trying to, we're just trying to get through basics and mm-hmm. yeah, they're two different things. Just like the gift of faith is one thing, and then you all have faith, you know, so, okay. What, Jim? Mm-hmm. Well, it could be a word of knowledge. It could be a word of wisdom. It could be a whole bunch of different things. It depends on what God shows you. Now, if there's a lot of different triggers, some we'll get into that about hearing from God, you know, next week. And when we hear, you know, sometimes it's just a word that you get. And as you grow and as you fine-tune God's voice in your life, you'll start understanding it better. Like sometimes when I'm praying for people down here, um, God will just give me a word, and, and he'll say, okay, I gave you the word, um, I'll fill your mouth. And so it, all of this is the big word risk. And that word risk is faith. You know, they go hand in hand. You know, you got to step out. So... We'll get to that. I'm not letting you talk. <laughs> Did you have something, Ken? Did they? S- oh. As long as you keep your mic closed so they can hear you. The air conditioner turns on and you disappear. <laughs> I heard that from somebody in the audience told me to tell you because they were struggling. Okay. 
Oh, that's awesome. You uh, actually, Omar took that question, took us a few weeks in, uh, from now into some of the stuff we're going to get into. But I want to say one thing, Omar. You might, you might have the gift, you might have the, um, the office of the prophet, but you might, it might be from farther on, you know, in your life. You might be training, as I, you know, a person might be in, you know, but you don't start there. Um, nobody, um, I want to say this right, so there is no spiritual gift that you get that you start out mature. You have to grow there. Okay, so that's with hearing from God. That's with any of these. There's a growth and there's a maturity that you have to go to. And you're not going to be right all the time, but that's part of growing. It's just like a, a child learning how to walk or learning how to talk. We all make mistakes. And so in the church, we should, this should be a safe place to grow. Okay, and so then you can take it out of here. You can be that evangelist in the grocery store and you can see somebody and go oh I'm sensing a word for them and go up and pray for them so that's kind of what we're talking about you know God wants excellence in our gift but we're not like old old covenant that if a mistake is made there's the stoning that's going to take place it's not that way I mean we want to be right and God wants you to be right however God is not afraid of us learning and growing and that doesn't panic heaven so when you hear somebody give something that you go, well, you know, that wasn't quite right. Well, I'm never going to listen to them again. Well, then shut us all off because we're all, we're all in that situation from time to time where we don't quite get it right. And that's a big difference between Old Covenant and New Covenant. And uh, so and it's part of the foundation that we want to lay with you guys tonight so you can begin to understand because we get a concept of what is the prophetic. And a lot of times we go back to Old Covenant because the prophets spoke it had to be accurate, and it became canon. It became the Word of God. Nobody's prophesying today the Word, uh, or, or nobody's prophesying Word to be added to the Bible. All right? We are, we are being uh, repetitive of what God has already said. Now, we may take what God has already said and apply it to a specific situation or somebody's specific life, but yet it's not recreating or establishing new Word it's taking what's already been spoken and repeating it. It's back to the same mandate that Adam had in the beginning. Adam was called by God to be prophetic and to speak what God spoke to God's creation. God man mandated Adam to teach Eve, speak to her, declare what I've said to her, make her understand what I've said. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, that he was something and she wasn't. It's, but we obviously see that, that Adam failed in repeating and declaring and establishing truth toward Eve because she was deceived. Adam sinned. Adam knew better. He sinned. Eve didn't know better because Adam didn't prophesy or exhort or encourage her correctly with the word. So part of the, the mandate that's on all of us is to take what God has already spoken and to declare it and, and, and to present it to the body of Christ as we're inspired. Now, prophetic can be just, Kevin, you know, that, uh, that uh, my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, you just quoted Philippians 4, 13, or, uh, 4.19. 
Yeah, I know. But that's prophetic because it's the Word of God that is being spoken over Kevin, and it's applicable to his life because God says it is. Now, that might be a word from due season for Kevin, and God is taking that word, and you go, well, everybody knows that. Well, maybe not. Maybe that, maybe that's new to Kevin, or maybe that's the word he needed for the moment to inspire faith, to put him into a position of success when it comes to being blessed and walking in abundance or whatever. So God will use the word that's already here and allow you to repeat it for the purpose of the body of Christ growing and learning and being established in truth. That's what God was trying to tell Adam to do for Eve and then for the sake of Cain and for the sake of Abel and for the sake of Seth and so on and so on and so on. And we know that, that Adam failed in that. But he's given us gifts. There's pastors, there's apostles, there's prophets, evangelists, and teachers. And what Carrie was talking about, some are called to the office, but, but all of us are called to speak and to make declaration from the Word of God on behalf of the body of Christ, for the body of Christ, as we're led by the Spirit of God to speak to one another. You know, and, and you can read in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. You know, there's different scriptures that talk about how we, how we speak. And so we have to, we, that's, but we also have to discern. And, and sometimes it's by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we're speaking uh, for a specific situation in somebody's life. Sometimes we're doing it without even realizing we're doing it. I've said things to people, and they went, wow, that was the thing that I needed to hear. And, and, and it was, oh, gosh, thank you, Lord. I stumbled on that because, you know, you're, because of your mercy, not because I was keen and tuned in. You know, it was, but, but yet God will, if you're willing to speak the truth, and if you know the truth, God can use you to, to, to make declaration on his behalf. So let's talk, let's build a little bit more on what Carrie already talked about. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, 24 says this, The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. Oh, beautiful. From heaven, dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. I just thought I'd edify you with that scripture to start. There is something out of the old covenant for you. Thank you. You're welcome, Jim. Old Testament judged your works. You are judged by your works. And that's what you deserve based on the old covenant. Here's new covenant through Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 5, verse, uh, starting with verse 43, uh, 44 and 45. He says, you've heard, it, you've heard that it was said that you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Remember, Carrie was talking about motivation, love. You know, God defends love at all costs. God fights for love at all costs. And you know why? He is love. God so loved the world. Everything God does is motivated out of love. Everything. And so God fights for love. He defends love. And he says here, he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Why? Because that's the godly way. That's the heart of God. That's, that's the transformation that God wants you to go through. Tell me how Jesus hated anybody on this earth. No, he's so loved that he was willing to be sacrificed. And that's how God wants us to be as believers. I say, do you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you 
so that you will become children of your Father in heaven. Jesus said, I've come to show you the Father. That was his mandate on earth. Let me show you God, the Father. God had a bad rap. God will kill you. God will destroy you. God will this. God will this. God will this you. And, it, and because we are walking in an old covenant in sin, and the wage of sin is death, people died, and God got the blame. But God never sinned. God just established a consequence. The wage of sin is death. God makes gravity. Gravity is a good thing. Otherwise, we'd spin off the earth, right? But if I jump off a 10-story building and I hit the ground, Old Covenant talk says, God killed me. God killed Chuck. Look it. He splattered all over the ground because he jumped off a 10-story building. Now, God says there's a consequence. You jump off a 10-story building, you'll hit the ground because I've established gravity as a law, as a truth. And there's a, therefore, there's consequence. God established a consequence to sin. God established a consequence to rebellion. So, so Jesus had to come and, if I can put it to you this way, give God back his reputation. God is love. He's not looking to destroy. Boy, if I walk in that church, man, there might lightning come down and, and strike it. And God's going, no, 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 I love you. If you need to go to church to hear how much I love you, please get there because you need to know it. And we, as the voice pieces of God, as the prophetic of God, are being asked to make those declarations and show the world the Father and how much he loved. God so loved that he gave. There was his motivation. God is a giver. And what does he give himself? He gives love. And he gives all those things, those attributes that come with him. Remember, Moses was up on the mountain, and he says, God, show me your glory. He's up there repenting for Aaron. You know, he came down with the Ten Commandments, and, and, and here's with the golden calves. And, and, and Moses said, what did you do? And Aaron goes, I don't know. I just threw the gold in the fire, and all came these calves. Just figure that, God. I mean, I mean can you believe it, Moses? And he's, oh, man, he's back up there repenting. And, and God, um, and so Moses says, um, you know, God, uh, forgive him. And, and, and uh, God says, Moses, I got, a, I got an idea. Let's kill him. Let's kill him. Let me live up to my reputation. And, and, and Moses says, no, 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 God, because that would really give you a bad reputation. Because your promises aren't that way. Let's not kill them. But God says, I'll start a new, I'll start a new uh, uh, nation with you. No, 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 no. Can't do that. Can't do that, God. God was going, good. I'm glad you have my heart for the people. I didn't want to kill them. I want them redeemed. I don't want them restored. I want them to know me and to understand me and to be blessed. And I'm glad I can trust you to do that as my leader. And see, God is putting us in that same situation. He's saying, can I trust you to love? Can I trust you, like Carrie was sharing, can I trust you to draw the gold out? It's easy to find dirt in a gold mine. It's easy to find sin in a sinner. And like she said, a sinner knows they are sinners. Don't have to tell a, a, a sinner that they're sinning. We know. But what we do need to tell them is, here's 
the good things of God. Here's the love of God, the destiny of God. Here's all the things that God wants. Here's, here's the blessings of the Lord. And so we then have this amazing and wonderful um, opportunity to declare on behalf of God. And so Moses was able to do that, and he says, well, God, then show me your glory. Show me your weightiness. Show me all that you are. And God says, okay, cool. I'll show you my goodness. And some of you have heard me share this or preach this. I'll show you my goodness. Now, realize the goodness is part of the fruit of the Spirit. So when God says, I'll show you my goodness, the concept, the scriptural concept is, is, is that all of the fruit then is part of that. If the fruit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, suffering, blah, 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 I'll get all nine of them in there for the sake of time. If he says, I'll show you my goodness, he says, I'm going to show you my love, I'm going to show you my joy, I'm going to show you my peace, my gentleness, my goodness, my faithfulness, my meekness, my temperance, my self-control. I'm going to show you all of those things. In other words, he said, I'm going to show you my nature. Okay? It's part of my glory, who I am. He says, I'm going to make my name known to you. Remember, he's at the bush. Who should I say, tell me to come? And God says, I am. Tell him I am. I am that I am. What does that mean? I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am Jehovah Nisi. I am Jehovah. I am. Whatever. What do you need? I'm that. What's that kind of talk? Covenant. So God says, not only will I show you my nature, I'll show you the fact that I want a covenant with you. I want to become part of your life. I want to be the fulfillment of your life. I want to be your provider. I want to be intimate with you. He says, and then, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy and compassion on whom I'll have compassion. And we go, aha! There's the stickler, because God doesn't have mercy on everybody and doesn't have compassion on everybody. He picks and chooses. Absolutely right. He does. But here's what he was saying there. You don't get to tell me who I'm going to be merciful to and whom I'm going to be compassionate to, because you're going to tell me to have compassion on that person and have mercy on that person, but not on that person and not on that person. And God says, I will not be dictated to by man on whom I'm going to love and whom I'm going to show mercy to. Because my choice is this, I'm going to love everybody. My choice is this, my nurse mercy is new every morning. So my heart and my nature is good. My covenant with you is to be your God and supply for you. And I choose to pour out my mercy new every morning on you and to love you with a greater love than you could ever imagine, a love that is big enough to be willing to die for you and resurrect for you. And so here God begins to show this to Moses. Moses has proven himself, I love the people, don't destroy them. God says, I can use you then to get this message through to the people. And Moses begins to spell out, because the people chose to stay down and have Moses go up from here to hear from God. God says, okay, now Moses, you're going to become the prophet, the mouthpiece to the people, because they don't want to hear. Jesus says this, He says, so that you become children of your Father in heaven because he makes his son to rise on both evil and good people and lets rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. And God says, I am not going to just use one person. I'm going to use anybody who is willing to pour out and to to shed my love 
on humanity. And so a new covenant comes along through Christ Jesus. All of a sudden, we become redeemed. We become vessels who are worthy to be used by God, not out of our own righteousness, but out of his. And he says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. I want you to begin to speak for me. But to speak for me, you have to understand my heart. You have, like Carrie was sharing, you have to love. You have to be able to, to recognize that I am a good, loving God, and you need to be able to express that. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Old Testament, you're judged by your works. But here's the thing with the New Testament, you're judged by Christ's work. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. And, and here's what God wants us to do. God wants us to move in, in how, we, how we then as believers are effective in the prophetic is we have to move in honor. We have to honor one another. And you, we've read it in scriptures, honor your parents, honor, you know, honor, honor, honor. Honor is this. If you're going to write something down, write, write this down. Some of you have in the past because I've talked about it. Recognizing who a person is without stumbling over who they're not. Aren't you glad? Because God has honored you with his son. He didn't stumble over who you weren't. He didn't stumble over the dirt in your gold mine. He was willing to get it out of the way and to, and to find the nuggets, find the, 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 the beauty that he has placed in you and refine it and make it this beautiful, not just a chunk of gold, but, you know, a beautiful ring or whatever it is. You know, just think, anybody here like gold? Sure we do. What I mean, some of you may just like a big chunk of it, right? And if that's what beauty is to you, then just have a, be a big chunk of gold. If some of you say, man, that's, it's some necklaces I love, then let God mold you into this beautiful gold necklace, whatever it is you want to be. God says, I'll make you into that. That's cool. I'm great with that, but let him refine that in you. Romans 3.12, this is one of the scriptures on the Romans road. They're all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none righteous, no, not one. In other words, no one makes it to heaven by their works. Your righteousness isn't going to get you there. It's going to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that gets us there. Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is as filthy rags. You can't do this without God, in other words. I'm just telling you, you need a relationship with Christ to make these things work, to, to be able to love, to be able to, to speak on behalf of the kingdom. And you've known people that didn't have that relationship with God, and they're out there, and they're just blowing things up and making a mess out of things. Because they're trying to speak out of religion rather than relationship. And that's why Moses, what he did in the mount was so important. He says, no, God, let's, re- let's have a relationship. God says, cool, I can speak through you then. Because for you, it's not religion. For you, it's relationship. Too many people today, even in, this, in the, the age we live in, want to operate in religion without relationship. I don't know what Carrie thinks or wants to do if I don't have a relationship with her. But because I've had a relationship with her, I can know and anticipate and, and understand what motivates her, what she likes. I can, I can anticipate because I've been around her and I get her. 
She's been wrong to me a lot. Did you get me yet? No, probably not. But, but that's what happens with God. We can anticipate and we can understand where God is going to go with things because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Where is he going to go with sickness? He's going to go to the blood and heal. Where is he going to go with debt? He's going to go to the word and prosper. Where is he going to go with, with fear? He's going to go, again, and establish faith and peace because that's, he's predictable. That's why when we prophesy in the form that we're talking about at this point, we can, we can speak on behalf of God because we know him. And we know what he's saying. And so we can say, Kevin, my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus and be used prophetically from that perspective. Now, God is going to begin to, to, to bore down and get a lot more intimate and, and become a lot more powerful and a lot more specific and things. And we're going to dive into some of that as we come up. But realize as you repeat the word of God, the, the goodness of God, the, the covenant things of God, the compassionate things, the love things of God, one to another, you're speaking on behalf of God into the body of Christ. And here's what God does with that. He goes, yep, that is me. I'll bless it. Yep, that is me. I'll cause that to come to pass. Yep, that is me. And watch me, watch over my word and perform it. And you go, wow. I I mean, I, I made that statement and then God, the miracle came. And God goes, I know, I'm that good. I'm that consistent. I'm that obvious. God obvious? <laughs> yeah. Hello. He wrote it all down so we wouldn't miss a thing. But you got to get into it and you got to discover. Now, it's not just reading and mentally ascending. It's also having a relationship with him so you begin to understand what God is why he does it, what motivates him and and not just reading the words but knowing the heart of our great Father. And that's what allows you to prophesy and to speak over people with, with incredible, not only accuracy, but with incredible effect. Because you're beginning to declare not just the Word of God, but the truth that's behind the Word. All right? They will know the truth. <clears throat> not just they'll know the Word, They'll know the truth that's behind it. They'll know the heart of God behind it. And you'll be able to begin to to speak that word in truth. And it bears powerful actions because you're coming into alignment with the heart of God toward one one toward another. All right? So Old Testament judgment was based on how we behaved. New Testament judgment's based on how we received Christ. What do you mean? Did you ask Jesus in your heart to be the Lord of your life? Good. That's all we were talking about. And like Carrie said, your life is hidden in Christ. If you want to discover you, uncover him. That's how you're going to find him. Um, and, and let me just make this statement. Jesus didn't die for us. He died as us. Jesus didn't have to die. He was without sin. You did. And Jesus took your place. That crucif- and, and, and that... To me, that just makes me, oh, God, I love you that much more. I'm that much more grateful. I'm that much more wanting to understand a God who would die not just for me, but as me. 
Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Right? Who died and gave himself for me. And here's the cool thing. The crucifixion is the beginning of the last days, according to Scripture. Jesus' crucifixion began the last days. You live in the last days. Been going on for 2,000 years. Yeah, yeah, okay, two days. 1,000 years, this is a day. Days, 1,000 years, right? Acts 2.12 that Carrie read um, says, And in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I want to just add, just I want to reiterate to that, not add to that. But it says he's pouring his spirit out on all flesh. Uh, there is no gender on who the spirit pours out on. Sons and daughters will prophesy. That would be boys and girls. In today's politically correct environment, it's still boys and girls. Because God says boys and girls. And it's okay to be a boy. And it's okay to be a girl. Just I thought I'd throw that in there. And if, if you want to argue that with me later, I'll just send you to my Lord and Father in heaven and let you debate it with him. Second, there's no generations in revival. He says you're old men and you're young men. Dreams and visions. Old and young. So guess what? Every one of those kids in the back, and God will use them. And he has. And I don't care how old you are. You're, you're involved. You're commissioned. Uh, and there's no economic qualifications. He said, you're men servants and you're maid servants. Not just the rich have, have the ability. It's everybody. So realize revival has everything to do with everybody. And God pouring a spirit out and using has everything to do with everybody. All right. You give them a scripture. You go, girl today in that Colossians scripture and we were talking about that and there's the end of oh, Colossians I think it says 11 but I can't read it um, at the end it says in this new creation life your nationality makes no difference or your ethnicity education or economic status they matter nothing for it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us so it matters nothing, not just if you're male or female or whatever. It doesn't matter. You qualify. If you continue on to read in Acts, if you, if you go to verse 20, it says, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the day of the Lord come, that great and glorious day. And Peter is quoting out of Malachi. And, he, and Malachi, though, says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And isn't it amazing, as, as Peter quotes this scripture out of Malachi, he changes dreadful day to glorious. Now, the, the word glorious in the Greek is epiphan, epiphans, 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 it's mephane. <laughs> It means illustrious, memorable, and notable. Dreadful in the Old Testament, the Hebrew is yara. I could say that one better. It to be to be fearful. And so you can't pull Old Testament prophetic into New Testament because there's a different covenant. And in one covenant, that the end time is a dreadful day if you don't know Christ. But in the new covenant, it's a glorious day 
because of what Jesus did. And how God speaks to us is different as well. I want to share, because of time, I want to just share a, a quick thing with you um, that you may or may not find interesting, but I did, so. Uh, a thing called the Urim and Thummim. In the, in the robe of the priest, there was, and you can read it in Exodus 28, chapter 28, verse 30, or you can read about it in Leviticus 8.8, 8, for example. There's a couple of them. It says, And in the breastplate of judgment, you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. And he placed, and this is Leviticus 8, 8, he placed in the breastplate of him, in the breastplate he put on the Urim and the Thummim. And, and they, were, they were oracles or they were like lots. Um, and and they, would, they would go to God with a question, and to hear from God, they would, they would throw these, and depending on how they, they fell, God would be saying yes or no. Um, the Urim meant light. The Thummim, uh, it, it, it means perfection. So when they would cast this, according to the, the Jews, and God would honor this, there would be perfect light or divine illumination. Um, it also um, means cursed or faultless. For example, when, when you read in 1 Samuel 14, when, when Saul and Jonathan, Saul makes this declaration, we're going to battle and nobody's going to eat today. And then if anybody eats, they're cursed. And so Jonathan, who doesn't hear the declaration, is walking and he goes, oh, look, honey. He dips his sword in it, a spear in it, and he eats some honey, cursed, because he eats. And you know, he didn't know, but yet cursed, because Saul, excuse me, whatever I said, Saul, king, made this declaration, Jonathan's son ate honey. So they get before the priest, okay, well, who blew it, what's going on? And Saul says, Jonathan and I will be separated, we'll, we, will, we will find out. And they cast the, or, the Urim and the Thummim. And it says, if it falls on us, we're guilty. We're cursed. If it falls on the people, they are. Or in other words, if it falls on us, we're cursed. If it falls on them, we're faultless. We're not at fault. They would be at fault. So they cast that lot. It falls on them. Okay, now he says, okay, it's either you or me. We're going to cast the lot again. It fell on Jonathan. That's where the Urim and the Thummim could mean cursed or faultless as well, but God illuminated. So uh, with that, um, <clears throat> they would they would hear from God. They would cast these oracles. It means uh, that uh, that they they would hear from God, but they would hear from God in the form of God, yes or no to this question: Can we or can we not? God didn't really begin to lay out to the priesthood through Aaron and so on specifics. All right? For example, in Judges 20, the people of Israel arose and went to Bethel and inquired of God, should we go out and fight Benjamin? Yes, we should. And 22,000 people die. So they weep and they cry and they lament and they go back and inquire of God. Or in other words, they rolled the dice again. Where the the oral the ormum or the thurum, they were they're stones of some sort. Some will say black and one was black, one was white. There's a lot of thoughts to it. Were they gems? Were they jewels? What were they? It doesn't really come out and say. But realize that 
sometimes hearing from God, and even though God used this, it, you know, it, was, it wasn't very accurate necessarily. David comes along. And David sets up a new covenant, so to speak, a demonstration of what the new covenant is going to look like. You can read about the Urim and the Thummim twice in the Old Testament after that. You can read once in Ezra and you can read once in Nehemiah was talked about. It's also believed that when the disciples got rid of, or Judas, excuse me, hung himself and they cast lots for Matthias, that 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 was Urim and Thummim. However, they had long disappeared and they couldn't be found. So they they did a a similar thing and chose Matthias. Did God answer that? Well, yes, many times God was answering that way. However, God had a better way. Why did the Urim and the Thummim quit being the tool that they used to hear the voice of God? Because through David, God was establishing what new covenant was going to look like. Remember, they worshiped before God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There was no veil in the temple. The priests were before the Lord. And, and I mean, even bringing in the ark into the city, you know, all the people were there, and God was establishing this new look. God, at this point now, through, through David and through the, then the ministries that follow, begins to speak verbally on a much greater basis and all of a sudden you have Isaiah and you have Jeremiah and you have Ezekiel and Daniel they're hearing the voice of the Lord and they're declaring the things and writing the things down that God is speaking not that it didn't happen before but it begins to happen on a much greater basis and that's the process that God begins to use this willingness and ability to speak verbally to the people, and you read about the major prophets and the minor prophets, how they were hearing the voice of God, and God began this transformation of how we hear. And how do we hear from God today? Speak, Lord, your servant hears. That's the declaration that, that, that we're to make. God speaks to us, and we recognize the voice of God. We don't cast our Urim and Thummim anymore. All right? So, uh, I don't want to get into it a lot with that, and, and, and we're really running out of time for tonight. But I wanted to throw those ideas and those thoughts out to you. But realize this, the Urim and the Thummim were used at critical moments in the history of God's people when divine guidance was needed. And, and the civil leaders were expected uh, to use them. And the people respected their use and didn't question. <clears throat> But we have a better form of prophecy now. We have a more uh, sure way. And God was, God was um, again, um, had changed how things were going to be done because man was beginning to recognize that God's desire wasn't to destroy, wasn't to, to punish, but God's desire was to be intimate and to love. And David really begins this catalyst of, of all, all this, how it comes to pass. It starts with Saul believe it or not, but it, it just continues and explodes through through the, the ministry of David. And we're going to get into, and I'm going to, um, <clears throat> oh. all right, let's pray. Did we have some homework? Oh, there's just so much that we can talk about. This is what I, this is what I want to do tonight. Um, I, I need to Shut the, the recording off if we could back there. Carrie, would you be willing to do that? Go to that recording CD and push the word stop. Push stop, yeah. Because if we don't, we'll overfill the CD and we won't be able to make copies. So.
If you go to that, the recording one, and then just find 